This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. If I'm fortunate enough to be confirmed, I can only hope that my life and career, my love of this country and the Constitution, and my commitment to upholding the rule of law and the sacred principles upon which this great nation was founded will inspire future generations of Americans. That's Judge Katanji Brown Jackson, whose name we've awaited with breathless anticipation. And now it's happening. She's the first Black woman ever nominated to the U.S. Supreme Court. Now, if you're a Black woman yourself, you can't help but feel an overwhelming sense of pride, whether you know her or not. What can you do but smile and begin to imagine? In the past few days, I've called both a lawyer and a judge friend, and I said, hey, you might be next, because now all of a sudden, it's possible. President Joe Biden made the announcement Friday, fulfilling a campaign promise to name a black woman as his nominee. Jackson would replace liberal justice Stephen Breyer, who is retiring this summer. Joining us now with thoughts on this historic nomination is Joyce Hughes, Professor Emerita at Northwestern's Pritzker School of Law. Professor Hughes, welcome to Reset. Welcome. Thank you very much. And Samuel Jones, law professor at the University of Illinois, Chicago. Hi, Professor Jones. Great to have you on. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Professor Hughes, I want to start with you. What was your reaction when you first heard this news? Well, I was pleased that at the age of 82, I was able to see a black woman nominated. And it was obviously important to me that she referenced Constance Baker Motley as a role model, who was a role model for me as well. It proved the value of the adage, if you can see it, you can be it. Constance Baker Motley was the first black woman appointed to the federal district court. So I was pleased to see her nomination. Mm -hmm. I was surprised a bit that I was this excited, if I'm being honest, because Admittedly, over the years, it's not like I was going to bed every night and I was praying for a black woman judge on the Supreme Court. But because representation matters so much, when President Biden did make that promise and then he later followed through, I was elated that we had finally gotten here. How are you feeling, Professor Jones? I feel pretty good because I really think her 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 academic and and legal record is just unmatched. She is an exceptional judge. She has been an exceptional trial judge since been appointed by President Obama. Uh, she was recently confirmed or roughly a year ago to the uh, D.C. Court of Appeals. And she's someone who really uh, speaks to various groups. Very rarely do you have someone be endorsed by the Fraternal Order of Police at the same time endorsed by the National Bar Association, someone who serves as a, served successfully as a federal uh, public defender, yet comes from a family and law enforcement officers. I mean, she is just such a hard worker, uh, just an inspiration to so many people. So it is really a good, uh, good for the country to have her uh, nominated. Yeah, her, her path was certainly laid out for her because of two very determined parents who also chose uh, law careers. Bring us up to speed, though, Professor Jones. How exactly did Judge Jackson get on the president's radar? 
So uh, she actually, uh, as I said, she was appointed by President Obama uh, to the uh, district court, but also she served on the sentencing commission. And, and when she, while serving on the sentencing commission, she, I believe she was like the vice chairman, and she did a very good job on the sentencing commission, was able really to bridge the gap between competing groups, which led to her being endorsed by the Fraternal Order of Police, but again, also winning the respect of very pro- progressive groups. And so when you have a person who's proven that they can speak to multiple constituencies and really win the support of Republicans and Democrats, it speaks very loudly. It also helps that she has a husband who was a very accomplished uh, physician in D.C. who 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 has talked very glowingly about uh, civil rights, particularly interracial marriages and the loving the Virginia decision and so forth. Uh, she is, her record at Harvard was just exceptional. She was an editor on on a law review, as you know, uh, President Obama. Mm-hmm. You know, was on a Harvard law review. It doesn't get any better than that. So when you have somebody with that kind of brain power, that kind of uh, charisma, that kind of characteristics, it's very hard to deny her the success that she deserves. And I would add that she doesn't really appear to have any rulings or writings or speeches of, on controversial topics that might cause some of the divisiveness that we sometimes see in confirmation hearings. That she doesn't have any alarming statements on gun rights or abortions, you know, or freedom of religion. I mean, her, her, her rulings and her decisions have been pretty, you know, aligned with, you know, mainstream thought, but yet, dedicated to what many of us believe a sense of 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 of, of, of goodness a sense of wanting to do right. right and that's a very powerful ingredient yeah well professor hughes i know you talked about the magic of seeing this happen in your 80s right talk to us about the broader hopes and goals that black americans and, and women of color now have for jackson well excuse me she does not change the balance of power on the court which is still going to be six to three in favor of what is called the conservative viewpoint. Excuse me. However, one of the important things about her nomination is that it illustrates that even though we have progressed, there's still the double standard. When President Biden announced that he would appoint a black female, he was questioned about the qualifications of any black female. No such attitude was expressed when President Reagan announced that he would appoint a woman. So it was also suggested that her background from Harvard meant that the court was really representative of only one strain in the society. Mm -hmm. And yet all the other Harvard-Yale justices did not have to benefit from that. Mm -hmm. So while there is progress there's still more to achieve, and we need not forget it. Yeah. Well, Professor, to that end, there's been this unspoken default of white men on the high court. Yes. Uh, Judge Jackson, as we know, she's going to be a first, right? We know what it means to be a first of, of something. Do you think, though, that this might allow her to do things in her way? Is there room for new perspectives here? Oh, of course, because it's not going to change the court. It would it would be different if she were joining a court where she could join a majority opinion, but <clears throat> this will allow her to express her opinion. And indeed, oftentimes the sense ultimately become the majority, and so she can dissent <clears throat> if she chooses to. 
And years from now, they may well be the majority. Yeah. Well, uh, Professor Jones, some of the criticism from the right has been uh, that this is another form of affirmative action. What do you make of that kind of rhetoric? <laughs> well, you know, it, it has to be dealt with. Uh, for, for quite some time, the federal judiciary has, has, has sort of had this policy of affirmative action for white men. Okay, we just don't call it that, but it has been an affirmative action for white men for a very long time, for decades. And so uh, uh, it has caused a lot of problems in this country with respect to how the courts are viewed and how justice, you know, is administered in the United States. That said, I, I, I do have concerns about gendered racism. I'm not so certain that we needed to say this because even if he had not mentioned that he was going to appoint a black woman and appointed Justice Jackson, she was going to reign supreme anyway above all others. In my view, she is the best qualified regardless of her race and gender. She should be on the bench regardless of her race and gender. Uh, gender racism, in my view, is not good for anybody. It has proven catastrophic to the African-American community. Black men are virtually a subclass in the United States right now, and so we should not be promoting gender racism. But at the same time, it's unnecessary in this kind of case because she is the best. And if you put it, my belief is that if you put a group of people in a room, a group of justices in a room, mm -hmm. black women are going to rise to the top. They are doing that in every sector of the United States. There's no need to exclude anybody from consideration. So that's that's my view. Uh, uh, I think that President Biden opened the door when he made those comments. But I also think that his heart was in the right place. I think that she is a welcome uh, change to that court, to the demographics of that court. I think she is a needed member of, of that court. And I think that she's going to be an inspiration to all. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We are talking about Judge Katanji Brown-Jackson's historic nomination to the U.S. Supreme Court. Our guests are uh, Samuel Jones of UIC and Joyce Hughes of Northwestern University. Coming up in about five minutes on the program, we're going to close out Black History Month with a tribute to some of the black musicians who made Chicago a hub for jazz and the blues and more. So stay tuned for that conversation. Uh, Professor Hughes, picking up where uh, Professor Jones left off, I, I, I want to talk about that Ivy League education again, right? Um, she'd be coming to this position, uh, just like her peers, um, with an Ivy League education, having graduated from Harvard in her case. Could you see a, a future where, where a broader range of legal experience qualifies for the high court? Is the door open for that? Well, her, her, her experience as a public defender is a first. Most justices do not have that. And so the fact that she was a public defender opens the door mm -hmm. for a broader range of experiences for someone to be appointed to as a Supreme Court justice. Judge Jackson is a, a former law clerk of, of Justin Stephen Breyer. Right. Do we know if that influenced the pick at all? I have no uh, idea if it influenced the pick, but obviously prior law clerks have an in on being appointed to the court just as Chief Justice Roberts was. What are your thoughts, Professor Jones? I, I, of course, I think it, it, it influenced the decision to some degree. I mean, uh, she was a clerk for uh, Breyer. He's now retiring. 
Uh, and that typically is what you see amongst the Ivy League. I mean, you raise a very good question, and this is why many people were advocating for the other justice. But I don't think that should be a disqualifier. Uh, I think that uh, her I, – I agree with the professor. I think that her experiences – uh, is what matters. Yes, she is a product of, of Harvard Law School, did uh, great at Harvard University, but she also went to serve as a federal public defender. And so it is her experiences that I think would make her so special and unique for this position. She she will be the only justice on that court besides Justice Sotomayor who actually served as a trial judge, and she will be the first to ever have served as a public defender, and I think that that is probably the most important aspect of her legal experience beyond the typical successes at a large law firm and on the sentence of commission and as a district court judge. Uh, if, if confirmed, she would join the court as it weighs uh, abortion rights and, and voting rights and more. Uh, talk mm. more, Professor Jones, you, you, you mentioned a bit earlier, but talk more about her judicial philosophy. You know, on the abortion question, uh, she took the position during her confirmation hearing that uh, uh, she really didn't want to comment on that because because the Supreme Court uh, decisions on Roe, she was specifically asked if Roe v. Wade was was uh, appropriately decided, and she refused the answer. I think it was a safe answer. Uh, I think she was correct in taking the position that uh, because the Supreme Court decisions are binding on lower courts that she should not comment. So she really hasn't had any history of speeches or writings or rulings on those very uh, potentially divisive uh, uh, topics like abortion. However, she did hold the Trump administration from expanding its list of uh, undocumented uh, immigrants yeah. uh, from, from fast-tracking them to deportation and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so she has, she has gone up against the Trump administration, you know, on in two separate opinions and, and, and to, to, Few people would argue with the positions that she took in relation to uh, her stance with respect to the Trump administration. Well, before I let you go, uh, brief thoughts for me on on Judge Jackson's nomination and and the significance of this moment. Uh, You first, Professor Jones. I I think it's exceptional. I, I don't think that we have had someone as as worthy since uh, Thurgood Marshall, quite frankly. Mm. Uh, I think that she is a remarkable pick. Um, I could not be more excited about her nomination. And the last word goes to you, Professor Hughes. Well, in 232 history of the court, no black female has been nominated and about to sit in the court, and that is significant. Again, if you can see it, you can be it. And that is a powerful incentive for future generations. That's Joyce Hughes, Professor Emerita at Northwestern University School of Law, and Samuel Jones of UIC's Law School. Thank you both for joining us. Want more context on the top issues of the day? Find the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.